Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, you do the uh, intro again. <clears throat> okay, hold on just a second. <clears throat> sorry. I'm, I got, um, sorry, I got a little tickle. <clears throat> I need to stop tickling myself. I'll tell you what, <laughs> how about I go while you're, okay, while you're all right, doing let me whatever turn, the hell you're doing. All right, I'm going to turn my microphone off. Um, but I can... All right. Welcome to Two Designers Walk Into a Bar. A place where pop culture creatives discover design icons that make us tick. And we share a few cocktails in the process. Yep. Today, we're doing our dutiful service by revealing secret signs and symbols hidden in plain sight. Once you see them, you can't unsee them. So join us in this public service preferably in a public house, looking for a ring at the bottom of your beer mug when we secretly sneak back into the bar. All right, well, back in the bar. And Elliot. Yes. I've got, uh, I've got a secret. A, a secret. A secret. It's, it's, it's I want to share it. Okay. It's kind of fantastical. It's a little unexpected. Oh. But you want to guess? Hmm. So fantastical yet unexpected. Yeah. yeah. Does this secret involve orcs, a dungeon master, and some twenty-sided dice? Oh, I thought you had it until you mentioned the twenty-sided dice. The whole dungeon and stuff like that was right on point uh, with what I was thinking. Oh, but well, no, you know, when when someone dice. says dungeon, I guess yeah, there's a couple different directions you could go with that. That's true. That's true. Um, but you know. There are some things involving secret societies that, you know, we could talk about or or sort of even societies that are kind of hidden in plain sight, right? Things, Ooh. symbols, symbols, networks hidden in plain sight, as it were. I like this. You've seen the History Channel. You know how it goes. Uh, I, You know, I've seen people who have seen the History Channel. I'm, uh, I'm sort of between uh, cable payments right now. All right. All right. Good. Well, you know, what I was thinking is, wouldn't it be fun to explore something that we probably have seen a lot of, but never really paid that much attention to? So, yeah, I mean, off the top of your head, what are some things you think of? Like road signs? Like, what do you see every day? Oh, well, when you said something I see a lot but don't pay a lot of attention to, 
Uh, no, okay, I know. Let you go. <laughs> <laughs> Not on your person. <laughs> oh, I, w- I was going to say you. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> Not on my person. <laughs> well, not that I don't. Um, I don't see that much of you. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? Yeah. I was. I was taking out a one dollar bill, and where 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 were you stuff. when this was happening? You know what? Let's not get into that. Oh. Yet. Okay. Um, I was taking out a dollar bill, and you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. This dollar bill, Elliot. There's gigabs. There's hoo ha's. There's doodads all over this place. Mm. And I thought, this is meaning something, like all these things, right? I mean, we kind of know, but do we really know? So I started looking into it a little bit. Yeah, and this is something that's iconic. I mean, everybody everywhere in the world knows, at least at a very high level, what a dollar bill, an American dollar bill looks like. Yeah, it's it's like the basic thing. And you know what? Um, I looked up, there's actually 12 billion of those little suckers floating around in circulation that's a lot i'm like i don't know if you tried to make it rain 12 billion worth like that you would never the, the rain would never stop right mm, well i wish it would rain a little bit over here at my house yeah okay well how about you what are, what have you been thinking about i love that you mentioned things hidden in plain sight um because when I was thinking about this a little bit, it harkened back to our episode about things like street culture and tribes yeah. and, yeah. you know, certain groups sort of having their own codes or their own uh, their own culture, their own sort of understanding, their own rules. And um, what I gravitated toward was the hobo alphabet or hobo symbols. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've already talked about the hobo alphabet. Well, first I talked about, you know, the hobo typeface. Now, right. I'm not sure that the Duke boys would be aware of this hobo alphabet. Okay. Okay. The, this okay. is, this is, and I, I think maybe, yeah, maybe I'm just obsessed with hobos. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, a language, symbols that, people riding the rails used to communicate with each other? Yeah, you know, we'll get into it oh, a little bit. Okay. But yeah, things oh. like, um, where's a good place to eat? Where can you sleep for the night? You know, these very utilitarian sorts of things. But, you okay. know, now, I will say, I don't think any self-respecting hobo would turn down a buck or two. Sure. So, what is he or she going to receive? Like, I, you know, you were talking about a dollar bill... Mm-hmm. There is a, <laughs> this. I feel like you're about to open up a whole can of worms here. Well, while yeah. the hobo opens up a can of soup and gets that That's on the right. fire, let's open up a can of worms. Let's get into this dollar bill and let's start All to right. talk about some of what's happening on these things. So there's a lot of symbols and signs, as I said, on um, and, and I'm going to specifically talk about the one dollar bill because it's so ubiquitous. Right. Um, and there's also, as you probably know, you've probably heard, there's a lot of, let's call them alternate theories of some of the things. So I want to, I'm going to touch on that some too. But first of all, what's interesting is, and the Bureau of Engraving and Printing started right around the time of the Civil War, 1862, 
it happens to be one of the largest printers in the world. And before then, there were experiments with paper money throughout our country's history, but they were largely unsuccessful because people didn't trust paper money. They didn't trust the notes. They preferred gold and silver. Mm -hmm. But they needed money to finance the Civil War, so Congress authorized the issuance of what they called demand notes, so named because you could redeem them for coins on demand. <laughs> you know, so it was basically like a substitute for a coin. And that's where they developed the name Greenback. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like an IOU. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a, yeah, a rain check of some kind. Yeah, like, yeah. I demand my gold coins now. Cough them up. Um, that's right. So pretty obvious. Everyone knows whose portrait is on the $1 bill, don't we? Yes. Let's say it together. Alfred Barbara E. Newman. Bush. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Yes. George Washington. But you know what? George Washington never wanted his face on our currency. He thought that was like something a monarch would do and never wanted that. Mm -hmm. And since he died 65 years earlier, they went ahead and went for it and put his face on the dollar bill. But you know what's interesting, though, is uh, there's a reason that there are no living people on our currency. Did you know that? Mm-mm. Okay. Let me give you just a little tidbit of this. This because I'm always looking for the drama. You know that. Is this like an assassination plot? Like do you never no, want to no. be no. Oh, no, 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 oh, no. Oh, oh. Um they were issuing it was like the third issue of some notes, some five cent notes as a matter of fact. And Congress said to the Bureau, we want to honor uh, William Clark the famous expedition explorer of Lewis and Clark fame mm -hmm. by putting his portrait on this note. And when the new design arrived at the superintendent of national currency, his desk, there was a note on there that read, you know, where the portrait would go, Clark. So unfortunately, the superintendent's name was Spencer Clark. And he took this as bold direction to add his face to the bill. What? <laughs> He added his face to the bill, <laughs> and, and it was printed. <laughs> really? Congress, yes. Yeah, true story. So Congress got mad, of course, because they're like, why are you doing this? You know, th they played a little looser with the rules back then. So in 1866, they passed an amendment that said all U.S. money will never feature a portrait or likeness of any living person again. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> So anyway, that's a little background on the portrait, um, which we all know is George Washington. On one side of the dollar, there's a great uh, symbol, the seal, which we talked about in our rock bands episode, yes. our rock band logos episode. Yes. And we talked a lot about that. So everyone go listen to that and you'll hear more about it. But what's interesting is Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, they were the first of three committees that were appointed to work on this great seal, which takes up a lot of real estate on the dollar. It took them four years and even two more committees to accomplish this task, and then another two years to get it finally approved. And it wasn't until 1782 when the Secretary of Congress, who was working with a, a young lawyer and artist named William Barton, incorporated all these elements from all three committees. This was literally designed by committee. <laughs> That's always literally. a recipe for success. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, four years, three committees, you know, how hard could it be? And a partridge in a pear tree. Right, so finally they incorporated elements of all these committees. Now, Ben, Tom, and John, they were really hung up on this eye of providence, which made it through the uh, the final committees and the final design. Uh, that's the eye that's in the triangle, the eye of providence. And isn't that a, a Freemason symbol or something like that? Well, it might be. We're going to talk a little uh, bit about that. I'm jumping um, ahead in the plot. I, no, no, no. But I mean, that's that's a common that is a common theme. Okay. Yes. But some other interesting themes that you know just didn't quite make the final design cut. Like uh, they wanted to include the children of Israel in the wilderness, and oddly enough, didn't make the cut <laughs> um, for whatever reason. Mm, okay. All right. So. Let's talk a little bit about the gray seal. So we got the eagle. The bald eagle is definitely unique to America. And it's pretty well known. Ben Franklin fought against that because he thought it had bad moral character. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? He he said the bird didn't even fish for itself. So whatever. Um, Franklin... (laughs) Franklin and Thomas Jefferson wanted the seal to include an Egyptian pharaoh, too. Like, what what is that about? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. All right. So the eagle. Oddly enough, in Philadelphia, from 1830 to 1836, a real live eagle took up residence in the U.S. Mint building. And the, the workers there named him Peter, the Mint Eagle. Um, which they, you know, really, they could have come up with a little better name. They cared for him, and allegedly, he's the model that's used on engraving for years to come of of eagles. After that, they had a ready-made model right there in the building. Wow. Okay. So everybody's familiar with the seal. Uh, there's a crest over the eagle, or a shield, I should say, over the eagle's chest. It's not supported, which that means America must rely on its own protection and virtues. And the unsupported shield has a bar at the top, which I didn't know this. And if you look on the dollar bill, it's obviously it's engraved. There's 12 lines and 11 spaces. It's solid and other things. But it's said that that represents the federal government. And then there are 13 vertical stripes under that, obviously representing the original 13 colonies. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also stars above the eagle's head. And it's kind of like fireworks sort of popping out over the eagle's head. The official description the Treasury Department says that it's glory breaking through the clouds. Um, but I imagine that they say it more like it's glory breaking through the clouds. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a misunderstanding sort of tolling away. And everybody knows about the olive branch in the right hand or right talon and the arrows in the left talon. And in the beak, it's a well-known Latin motto, e pluribus unum, meaning from many one. Everybody, you've seen that. Now, on the other side, of the dollar bill from that very familiar face of the seal, there was a less familiar backside of the seal. And this happened in 1934. No one knew that there was really a backside of the seal. The Secretary of Agriculture, his name's Henry Wallace, he was hanging out waiting to meet uh, the Secretary of State, Cordell Hull, and he was flipping through a publication and realized that there was a backside that wasn't being used. So they convinced President Roosevelt to include the pyramid side on the new currency as well. So that's where we get into a little bit more of the symbolic stuff that was raising some questions. You talked about um, the, uh, the Eye of Providence being a Masonic symbol. 
it actually caps off this unfinished pyramid. Yeah. And the pyramid, it's a classic symbol of strength and stability, but it was purposefully left unfinished at the top to symbolize that we're never finished. We're always growing. Ah, I thought it was just this mystical floating eye, you know, that well, there was the, some magic the eye kind of, yeah, well, that's, that's kind of what it means. Okay. Uh, it finishes the top. And it, it is well-known use of a Masonic symbol, but it's a really ancient symbol, too. It represents what Masons would call the great architect of the universe. But it's been used in Renaissance paintings and, you know, all sorts of famous artworks and everything else to sort of represent the divinity. Uh, it's in a triangle, which in more currently would represent the Holy Trinity. So, you know, it's... It, there's a lot of symbolism in the placement, and I'll get into that a little bit. But what's interesting on the pyramid is there's some Roman numerals at the very bottom, MDCCLXXVI, which you probably know your Roman numerals easily, Elliot, and you would know right off the top of bat, that is 1776, right? I figured. The date, the foundation for which America was built. So... Even just in this like structure, it's a, it's pretty much about building, right? There's foundations. There's like it's it's architectural. All of these things. Okay, across the top, there's some Latin on the the reverse side of the seal, and it reads "Anuit Coepus," and that is placed kind of around the eye of providence. And because of that placement, the standard translation means that providence favors our undertakings or providence has favored our undertakings. Basically, God is smiling on us. And across the bottom, there's another Latin phrase that says novus ordo seclorum, which means new order of the ages. I know new order is one of your favorite bands, Elliot, and it's great that our currency was recognizing them. Well, you know, they are uh, a band with universal appeal. That's true. That's true. All right. Couple other little things here I want to mention, and then I really do want to hear about some some hobo language. First of all, no one is superstitious when they were designing these dollar bills because there are 13s everywhere on this dollar. Literally. There are 13 stars above the eagle. There are 13 leaves uh, on the olive branch. There's 13 olives on the olive branch. There's 13 arrows in the eagle's left talon. There's 13 steps on the pyramid. There are 13 bars on the shield. It's a little bit, you know, maybe it was a coincidence. Maybe it, uh, they planned it, but the Latin, Anuit, Coeptus, and E Pluribus Unum both have 13 letters. And even on the little tiny treasury department seal, there are also 13 stars. There happens to be a key under that, too, that means, uh, signifies official authority. But 13 was a big deal when they were designing. Yeah. Uh, are there, are there like 13 leaves on the branch clutched by the eagle yeah. and 13 arrows in the bundle? And okay. Yep. Yeah. All this stuff. This is like, this is crazy, man. I yeah, mean, it's like. Olive, you have to get out your, your magnifying glass and see that there's 13 olives on the branch and. And, and again, the letters in Latin, I mean, we're, it's, getting a, it's getting a little like 
okay, this was planned out pretty heavily. It's trying to tell us something. Yeah, it makes me wonder why today, as we're, we're sitting here having this conversation, 13 is still such an unlucky number in our culture. Must not have been back then, right? I guess not. And then there are these kind of stray numbers and letters that are just sort of scattered all around the $1 bill. And what those mean are basically where the, that particular bill was printed, uh, that particular note, and its particular plate position when it was printed. Ah, so they're codes. Okay. I know, it's, really, it's kind of interesting. So if you look uh, on the front of, the, of a dollar bill, there's a one or two digit number, and it appears four times, two on each side of the bill. And that refers to the bank that printed the bill. For instance, a number one is Boston, number two is New York, so on. Mm-hmm. And then you'll also see a letter that'll be either, it'll be A to H and a number. And that's, that combination refers to the position that the note was on the particular printing plate. Mm, so okay. a, A1 would be the very top left position. H4 would be the very bottom right position. So I thought that was pretty cool that like all of these things that we're carrying around, they have, they're carrying this unique history with them. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought that was really cool. Now, if by chance you see a star with uh, your serial numbers, that means that uh, this bill, this note has been recreated to replace one that was destroyed. Because no two bills can share the same serial number. Mm. If a bill has to be reprinted for some reason, they add the star. So like when they get the bills back and they shred them, they reuse the same serial number? Yeah, or if it if, really after it's shredded, that's gone, that's done. But oh. if, if, a, if a torn bill comes through or a defaced bill in some way, Got it. they will reprint that um, serial number and put a star with it because... It can't have the same um, serial number. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's really, it's like this little, you know, I don't know, thing, what is it, five inches long, two inches tall, something like that? Yeah, two six, and a half inches, six inches, the, the dollar bill, six uh, inches, yeah. And it carries all this sort of history and documentation with it, which I thought was just really interesting. Now, Elliot, I want to hear about the hobos because... I want to tease you a little bit and say that there's some other theories floating out there in the World Wide Web of what these symbols mean. And <laughs> I have let, no doubt. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you and your hobo friends figure out if they're legit or not. All right. Well, yeah, I don't think we could really ever have a good uh, conversation on this podcast without a little bit of reality peppered in with a little bit of myth. <laughs> and, uh, you know, these hobo symbols, um, we'll start talking about them and we'll see just like, um, the mother road that a lot of the hobos would maybe travel down or the train tracks off into the distance. We'll, we'll see where this story takes us. How about that? Okay. okay. That sounds great. Okay. So hobo symbols, I've, I've talked about these just a little bit at a very high level. Uh, what were they now? Uh, as we've mentioned, I, I somehow have an obsession with hobos, uh, the hobo typeface, the Dukes of Hazard typeface. So one might think, oh, well, 
surely there's some relationship. And I, I had alluded mm-hmm. to that and you know, this the typeface episode that we uh, talked about that you know, it was the old hobo hanging around, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we'll talk about these hobo symbols, but then we'll also, of course, we have to kind of understand and unpack what was a hobo, right? <laughs> you know, right. it's like right, right, for right. a lot of younger listeners, um, they might not even know what that means. So let's start with the symbols themselves. You know, you mentioned with the dollar bill that there were a lot of things going on and they represented a lot of things to a lot of different people. You talked about this design by committee and everybody kind of wanted all these things thrust into this very, very small piece of real estate. (laughs) Well, the hobos traveled across a very large piece of real estate, basically the United (laughs) States, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so they needed some of these just basic necessities of life. So if you're coming into a town and you're a traveler on foot or maybe you've come in, uh, you've hopped a train and you've come into town, you need to know where can you camp safely mm-hmm. or where could you get a bite to eat? Mm-hmm. Or if you're approaching a, a house, will you get some sort of handout or is there a mean dog that's going to chase you? <laughs> and so these notions, this was sort of a secret code that could be left in plain sight that the average person would never pick up on. And we will have a picture of a lot of these symbols on our episode page, just to give an idea of what some of these symbols, which were really hieroglyphs, you know, what they, what they really look like. Yeah, yeah. I imagine they have to be really simple. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Because they had to be drawn quickly, um, carved into things. Right. These uh, symbols appeared on posts, bridge abutments, fences, outbuildings. Mm -hmm. And you had to kind of think about, if you're a hobo, well, the people who are coming in behind me, where are they likely to go? And so how do I make sure I put this in a conspicuous place where they'll, you know, the next group of people coming through town are going to see it? Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's this secret language. And it was, you know, everybody didn't have a a pen in their pocket, so they're using whatever they can get their hands on to leave these symbols. A lump of coal, a piece of chalk, Mm -hmm. a nail scratching something into wood, or even a sharp-edged rock, right? Mm -hmm. So this was survival code, and it was under the radar for the average person. Like, no one's going to be wandering around and say... Uh, why is there this, you know, hobo doodle on my mailbox post? You know, they're going right, to, right. if they notice it at all, it'll just seem like some odd thing that maybe a child doodled or something like this. So this was um, a warning about a dangerous town or a dangerous person in the town. It marked a place where free food could be had or maybe shelter mm-hmm. for the night, right? Or mm-hmm. things like free medical care and uh, provide directions to where work was available, right? Because these guys and some gals uh, still had to earn a buck, you know, to go Mm -hmm. back to your mysterious document, right? They wanted a few of those in their pockets. Some of those greenbacks. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So getting into who um, hobos are, who hobos were. So if, if you, again, are a student of pop culture, as you and I both are, and I think a lot of our listeners are as well, If you think about the movies, you think about cartoons and pop culture in general, there's sort of a pretty romanticized idea of the life of a hobo, right? Yeah, yeah. As I mentioned a minute ago, 
We're just hopping on trains to get from one place to another. I actually had a children's book that my mom had gotten me, and I think it was called Charlie the Tramp. And it was like a (laughs) muskrat or some character, and he would, you know, have his bindle stick and hop on the train to get from one place to another. So even children are getting fed this romanticized ideal, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you got your your you know your bindle stick, which is your kerchief with your belongings in it, tied to a long stick. You prop it over your shoulder. You're smoking your pipe or your cigarette. You have no particular worries. You know the world is your oyster. You're just wandering around town. You might have on your head a half crumpled hat. On your foot, you might have a shoe with a hole in the sole. You might have pants with a patch on the butt. But hey, who cares? You know you're your own boss. You don't have to be anywhere right. at any particular time, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. look, it gets even better. You're resting your head Living at night the under the stars. You maybe have a little yeah. bit of fire. You have a little pot of stew burbling over it, right? Or a can of beans uh-huh. or something right. like that. So where has this trope been seen? In addition to children's books, think Tom and Jerry, Bugs Bunny. I mean, you mm-hmm. and I both grew up seeing these things, right? So this is how we got oh, introduced yeah. to the idea of a hobo. Well, in reality, of course, things were a little bit different. Um, hobos were nomads. They were these migratory workers who roamed the United States and they took jobs really wherever they could. And this was often in rural areas and they never wanted to wear out their welcome. Um, they knew Mm. other people were behind them. They kind of didn't want folks to catch on to the idea that they were transient or homeless. So they never wanted to spend too long in any one place, right? They were migratory. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Migratory workers. So where did these guys come from? So it's really interesting, Todd, that you talked about the Civil War and the fact that the Mint started to produce dollar bills during the Civil War. Because right after the Civil War was when hobos started to appear, right? Hmm. So you have all these army veterans, the war ends, they had just seen part of the world, right? They'd they'd gone off to war a little bit, seen another part of the country. Um, There was a lot of destruction in in these different towns. And so these guys needed to make a buck. They needed to start working. So they started their migration after the Civil War. But it really hit its stride during the Great Depression in the late 20s for obvious reasons, right? And when I say there were hobos, I mean between an estimated 2 million to 4 million adults who left their homes in search of food and lodging. Wow. Yeah, so a lot of the population at the time. And most of these people, but not all of them, were men. So you mentioned they were transient workers. They crisscross country. As we discussed, they hop on a freight train, jumping into the boxcars as the trains pulled away from their stops or slowed down at bends in the track. And that was, of course, and still today remains very, very dangerous. You know, one Mm -hmm. false Mm -hmm. move and you're under the train losing a leg or or even worse, you know, some some injuries or death. Um, Some hobos had a special skill or a special trade. Others would just take any job. But they weren't bums. You know, they wanted to work. They just didn't want to be tied down into one place. So they really resented uh, people who, who saw them as as beggars right they, mm-hmm. they were not beggars they wanted to work but as a result of being lumped in with other uh, groups of undesirables in many towns as you can imagine they were uh, often unwelcome farmers during the great depression and and afterwards 
they were preoccupied with their own survival in these small towns. They had their own stuff they had going on and they needed to worry about. They didn't mm-hmm. have patience for a guy wandering in from the outskirts of town who said he was going to you know, work in exchange for food because he was hungry. He could be legit, right? But he could also be a thief. He could be yeah, crazy. Yeah. He could be a criminal who's on the run. Like, you just never knew. So a lot of people really weren't willing to take their chances. Um, I've seen no Brother Where Art Thou. Exactly. So you know the tale. Yeah. 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 And hobo numbers began dropping in the 50s. So some are still around today, albeit the numbers are far, far smaller, as you can imagine. But there's still an annual festival each summer in Brit, Iowa. Um, So look up Brit, Iowa on the map. (laughs) We'll actually post uh, some uh, links to this on our episode page. And folks can do a little bit of uh, homework and maybe attend the next hobo festival in, uh, in Brit, Iowa. Um, we should go. We should definitely go. Yeah. Or would we be allowed? Would we be welcome there? Or do uh, we have to kind of get there by the rails? Yeah. Or the, you know, so some people do still. There are still hobos today who still do hop the rails and travel around. Now, the hobos today tend to have GoPro cameras and things like that. And uh, they'll go into a library or, you know, someplace with Wi-Fi <laughs> and upload their videos. But yes. And show up at Coachella. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. No, that's like that's that, a yeah. that's a hippie, not a hobo. Oh, OK. Got yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Got slight got difference there. Yeah. But speaking of hobos, we we made the joke earlier about uh, the typeface. And, uh, you know, if you go back and and listen to that episode, that was sort of this Russian name that got ascribed or or sort of twisted or or retranslated or repurposed for this typeface. But that's not, in this case, where um, the name hobo comes from. So, in fact, it's actually debated. Um, Hmm. Some people think it's Latin for mm-hmm. homo bonus, which is good man. So you take the H-O from homo and B-O mm-hmm. from bonus and hobo, right? Okay, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Could have been coined by a group of soldiers returning home from the Civil War, which we talked about earlier, who were, quote, homeward bound, unquote. Oh, so H-O-B-O, okay. homeward bound. Yeah. But then also, migratory workers during the the late 1800s were often referred to as hoboys. So these workers, Hmm. according to the council that rules over the convention, the Brit Iowa convention, these were the original hobos since they worked as they traveled. So, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. the, you know, if we go to Brit Iowa, we can suss out the actual truth. Yeah. And we would get to say, Oh boy. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. It's a hard day's work. And we'd have to, you know, take our kerchiefs out of our overalls and, and wipe the sweat off our brows. I know, yeah. I love I love wiping the sweat from, with my kerchief. Okay, I think suddenly we have uh, future plans revolving around a hobo <laughs> festival. Okay. But, but tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we know about the people, so we know about this lifestyle, let's talk about the symbols themselves because this is really when it starts to get interesting. So... As we've talked about, the symbols were a way for hobos to stay connected. They're keeping one another safe. So this was really a tribe. This was a lifestyle. And while they may have been searching for employment individually, they still were a community. And so as a result of that, they wanted to aid each other in their travels. You know, there was sort of this like mutual appreciation society or, or, or welfare that wanted to take care of one another. As a result, the symbols provided guidance for things like which direction to go or where would be a good spot to catch a train 
Um, mm-hmm. Details about the town, like the police don't like hobos here, or the homeowners. Hey, these folks are an easy mark, right? You can get some food or clothes from these people. Mm-hmm. And finding food was really a constant, constant problem. And so often hobos were begging at farmhouses. And uh, like we talked about rural areas generally, you know, there are train tracks and, and, and things crisscrossing these. This is rural America. Right, right. And uh, so if a farmer were generous, the hobo would mark that spot so that others following would know it was a good place to try their luck. Like, hey, I got grub here. I got some clothes here. Give it a shot, right? So what do these symbols actually look like? How would people know what these different things meant? All right, so let's go through a few of these really quickly. So a cross, if you just saw a cross, you know, that is referred to colloquially as angel food, quote unquote. (laughs) And what that (laughs) meant was if you go to a church sermon, this church is willing to feed the down and out after that. So stick it out and there'll be some food for you here. (laughs) Right. So a triangle with hands is the homeowner has a gun. So generally not good. You know, if you figure that out, that's probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hightail it out of there. And then a horizontal zigzag, that means a barking dog. So in other words, the dog not only means you can't get close to the house, but it could tip off the homeowner to the fact that you're lurking around. So that's a bad thing. Right, right, right. So a square missing its top line, so essentially sort of like a U-shape without, means it's safe to camp in that spot. So like a little sort of cubby, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and then a top hat and a triangle, that equals wealth. So like a rich person's Uh, here, right? Yeah, that's like where the guy from Monopoly would live, Yes, exactly, exactly. Or Mr. Peanut. Mr. Moneybot. Yeah, or or Thirst or Howl the Third. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) <laughs> Lover, all of them. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're all living on the same uh, same uh, plantation. I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, so a spearhead is a warning to defend yourself. So you know a sharp, sharp triangle shape. Um, uh, okay. Circle with two parallel arrows. Get out fast. Hobos aren't welcome. <laughs> like uh. you know, make a make a break for it. <laughs> and related to that, two interlocking circles, handcuffs. Like oh. hobos are jailed. <laughs> like you're gonna, That's you know, you might get three hots on a cot, but not that way. Um, Pretty self-explanatory. Yes, that one yeah, is. definitely. So a caduceus symbol, which is of course the staff with the two snakes and the and the yep. winged wings at the top. There's a doctor. You, you would get medical attention. Yes, yeah, doctor ah, living in the see. house. Look at you. You're. I could be a hobo. You could be. You're an honorary hobo in my book. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cross with a smiley face in one of the corners. Doctor is going to treat hobos free of charge. So that's pretty good. Oh, okay, yeah. This one's my favorite. So a picture of a cat means a kind lady lives here. Oh. Yeah, I, I like that one. Um, or I guess a cat lives there. <laughs> but I'm yeah, thinking it's a kind, kind lady. Yeah, there. a kind cat will share his uh, fish with you. Um, a wavy line signifying water above an X means there's fresh water at this campsite. So, you you know, you can stay here and you're going to have a place to to bathe, get a drink, that makes sort of sense. thing. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Three diagonal lines, not a safe place. Again, kind of like our, our uh, slashes, like in Ghostbusters, like, uh-uh, yeah, right? Yeah, don't go there. Yeah, yeah, get lost. A square with a slanted roof signifying a house, but it has an X through it. So the uh-huh. house has already been burned or tricked, right, by another hobo. Uh-huh. So kind of scorched uh-huh. earth, like somebody blew it for us, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last one, um, two shovels crossed over means work is available. As we said earlier, these guys wanted mm-hmm. to work. They wanted to earn an honest dollar. 
and shovels because most hobos at the time, you know, they performed manual labor. They weren't building websites. Right, <laughs> right. right. They, they were digging. Yeah, they were yeah. digging, <laughs> digging ditches. Hey, yeah. speaking of digging, uh-huh. I'm digging on some of the things that you talked about that might be made up with this dollar uh, bill symbolism. Yes. And so Alternate I theories. think, yes, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. Let's right. take a break. You buy me a drink. And then when we get back, I'll let you tell me and the listeners all about your dollar bill symbolism. That sounds like a wonderful deal. We'll have some dollars out so we can actually look at them at the same time. Oh, that's even better. I'll fall for that again. Um, As long as you can tell me what the symbol is for a free drink moocher that I need to draw on your back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say, as luck would have it, that picture is right on my driver's license. Oh, okay. We'll be back. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Secret codes, hidden symbols. If I didn't know better, I'd swear people are listening in on our conversation. Am I nuts? Uh, no, Todd. I'm sure this whole conversation is going to stay right here between just the two of us. While we adjust our tinfoil hats and ask the bartender about some secret drink recipes, freshen your beverage as well. We'll be right back. Hi, while we have your attention... If you want to learn more about us and the podcast, there are a few ways to do it. Visit our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. All of that is spelled out. No numbers. Kind of a long URL, so do yourself a favor and bookmark it. Once you're there, you can find links to more information about the subjects in this episode, our episode archive, and information about both of us. Wait, we do want people to visit, right? Well. Oh, and look for us on social media. You can find those links on our website as well. And while we're at it, if you have a friend who you feel will dig on our rambling, tell him or her what we're up to. While we can't guarantee that they will remain your friend, we can guarantee that they will listen to at least 30 seconds of whatever episode you send them the link to. (laughs) That's being a little shameless. And speaking of being shameless, it wouldn't be a proper ask if we didn't mention that if you like what you hear, you can also make a donation via our website. We have a Nigerian prince handling all transactions for us. In fact, he told us to mention that we have stickers to mail to anyone who donates $10 or more. Are we done? We're done. We're done. 
right, Elliot, if you've got a $1 bill handy, I'm going to blow your mind with some theories of our money. These things you carry around all day. I personally don't carry any of these around. I don't think I want money around me anymore. So I've given up. (laughs) It's voodoo. It's voodoo. All right. First one, which is pretty common, if you look in the upper right-hand corner of the, the bill where the number one is, there appears to be a tiny creature peeking out from there. And it looks like an owl. And you might even have to have a magnifying glass to see it. It's super tiny. I remember learning about the little owl. A friend of mine pointed that out. I think I would, might have been in middle school. Well, it's considered a symbol of the Freemasons. Ooh, um, okay. So that's going to be a common theme through this. All right. Remember the great seal that we talked about that has the exploding stars above the eagle's head? Yeah. If you... If you connect all of the stars together, you get a giant star of David, which Ooh, yeah. which leads to the founding fathers' Judeo-Christian beliefs. It, it's, it's thought. Now, this you got to squint for. If you look very closely at the fourth row on the pyramid that's on, it's on the back of the dollar, you'll see what appears to be a smiling face, or some people say it's a ghost face. Oh, yeah. So question is, did that mean anything? Yeah. So does the ghost face mean anything? Uh, well, it means have a nice day. Well, on a yeah, on the pyramid. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, maybe like, here's the, your dollar. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. Have a nice day, <laughs> hobo. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On the back, up in the corners, you know, where the number ones are, it said that in that intricate design that that actually is a Maltese cross and you kind of have to look at it and you can see Maltese cross is kind of like a kind of like the iron cross but it has points on it yeah it's like a giant plus sign Um, and the Maltese cross was commonly known symbol of uh, a group of knights commonly known as Knights Hospitaller which is they were an order of knights from Jerusalem. So again, little bit of a, a Masonic connection there. All right, this one, even conspiracy theorists are like, mm, don't know. On the back of the dollar, down at the bottom where some of the intricate stuff is, like if you look on the left-hand side, there is an outline of the Hindu god Shiva, known as the destroyer. <laughs> um, it's it's on both sides of the one. It's encased in webbing. The hair is tied up in a bun. But you know, again, what is Shiva doing on the dollar? And why would they hide that? So, oh yeah, I see it now. Who knows? Yeah. All right. So we talked a little bit about the appearance of Masonic symbols, and it goes a little deeper. Like some people are believing there are, there happen to be nine feathers beneath the eagle and that is thought to represent the nine spheres rising through the return to heaven i don't know what that means but there is a a freemason site that we will post and you can check it out and see what that means and there also happens to be 32 feathers on the eagle's dexter wing which is you know commonly known as the number of ordinary degrees in the scottish rite of freemasonry so You know, coincidence? I don't know. Mm. All right. So you talked about the eye of providence being a Masonic symbol. 
It is widely used as a Masonic symbol, but it wasn't used until the late 18th century. So our money was actually created before then. So was it used as a symbol for the Masons? Yeah, but it was used for a lot of other things too. And it was really just kind of part of the aesthetic of the late 18th century. That was more than anything. So they just loved eyeballs. Everybody just loves the one eye. Yeah, in mm. the triangle. Okay. So now this is, okay, this will make you go, hmm, here. There's a recent example of a British 50-pound note that also displays a pyramid that's lacking the capstone, similar to the U.S. $1 bill. So many people think that's evidence that the Masons slash Illuminati are starting the new world order, right? That now we're tying Britain and the U.S. together for global control and domination. It could happen. You know, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. It could happen. So wait, 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 wait. So the British saw the unfinished pyramid on our money and said, right. we want a piece of that action. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're, we're going to wait theirs. like a couple hundred years and do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that makes total yeah. sense. Perfect sense. Some people think the scrolls, you know, that have the Latin words that they appear to be serpent's tongues. Again, people are trying to pin some negativity on the Masons. A little bit of like maybe there's some magic hocus pocus going on yeah, here. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at uh, they just used a variety of different illustration styles, I think, for the different ribbons. Because in the Great Seal, the ribbons are different. Well, clip art choices were pretty slim back then. That's so. true. They, they did what they did. All right. You remember we talked about the Roman numerals on the bottom of the pyramid. Yeah. Right? Do you remember what year that told us? Of course. As the foundation? 1776. Anything important happened that year? Yeah. Yeah. That was the year the Illuminati were founded, Elliot. There Todd. you go. Boom. Todd. Mind blown. Todd. Yeah. Since we're both... In the Illuminati, we weren't supposed to share that information. Oh, that is the first rule of the Illuminati, isn't it? You don't, don't talk, talk about, about the Illuminati. Illuminati, yes. Okay, all right, 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 right. I thought that was an interesting coincidence, but... Hmm. All right, now, here's one last thing on conspiracy theories. And this one, uh, you know, is, is a little mind-boggling. So if you look at the reverse side of the seal the one with the pyramid yeah and you see the latin stuff right yep if you if you connect the first and last letters of the phrase anuit coeptus to the first the last and the middle letters to the bottom latin phrase <laughs> novus ordo seclorum um, because there's no middle to the top one you know what you get you get an upside down pentagram elliot Oh, I was trying to spell something. <laughs> I was going to say well, the only thing I got was confused. Well, so you get an upside down pentagram, but those letters that it's pointing to? Yeah. Spells Mason. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you. I'm yeah. telling you. It's a little too coincidental. And if we overlaid the... The Masonic logo, the compass and the ruler, it fits perfectly over the pyramid. So the ruler touches the very bottom of the ground and um, 
the um, eye is cradled in the compass. So, you know, I'm just saying. It's just food for thought, Elliot. Food for thought. Man. But let me leave you with a couple other things that are purely factual here. And just in the spirit of blowing your mind. So, first of all, there's a farm in Delaware that mulches our old money to the tune of four tons of it every single day. I mean, what, what, a, what is that about, right? <laughs> yeah. People know that money is kind of gross. And there was a 2002 study done by the U.S. Air Force. Uh, heard of them. They found that 94% of $1 bills tested for bacteria. Only 94%? Only 94%. But that's not all. 80% of dollar bills hold traces of cocaine. Only 80%? 80% of all dollar bills tested have traces of cocaine. I thought that was quite of a bit. <laughs> mm, I've actually heard that number is being higher. Oh, okay. So that was in a um, CNN survey in 2017. So I thought that was a little mind-boggling. And interesting enough, you know, the dollar bill is the stepchild of our currency. All other bills have been redesigned, but right. it's really not worth it to redesign the dollar bill. It's not counterfeited that much. And right. it would cost too much money. So there's even an act that says we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. Well, I know there's been a lot of talk since there's also a dollar coin, you know, back in yep. the Late 70s, early 80s, it was Susan B. Anthony, then more recently, the Sacagawea uh, yep. dollar coin. And so, if I remember correctly, um, to your point earlier about the dollar bill having such a short lifespan, it actually mm -hmm. loses money for the mint versus coins that are far, far more durable. Right, um, right, yeah. Because I think uh, there's like a, the dollar has one of the shorter lifespans. It's like four years or something no, like that. No, it's it's months. It's like three, three and a half months or something. Oh, they just yeah, get really? So I think so. Yeah, we'll we'll look this up. We'll post the stat. Yeah. But yeah, so it's it's getting, you know, that farm in Delaware you mentioned, they're really busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, four times, um, man. Yeah, so as a result of that, that was the push for the coins because people were like, well, coins last a long time. Like, But the dollar bill, as we've already talked about, is so iconic that mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. don't want to get rid of it. And mm -hmm. the other reality is, aside from um, the handful of coin collectors there are in this country, what is it? Numismatist, isn't that a coin collector? That's my SAT word of the day. Aside from those guys um, and gals, um, most people devalue coins, right? Uh, uh, something yeah. paper is always worth more than something, uh, you know, the irony, right? You talked about the greenbacks and people actually right. wanted uh, hard wanted currency. The they wanted yeah. the metal. Yeah. yeah. That now it's the opposite. It's like, pff, whatever, a quarter, you know? And so a lot of right. people will look at a, at a Sacagawea dollar, even though it's exactly the same value as a dollar bill. And they just kind of look at it and they're like, ah, mm -hmm. it's a coin. It can't, you know, this, I can't fold this. <laughs> it's not, right. what, right. what could it possibly be worth? Yeah. Like whatever, you know, right. and it's, it's one of these things that uh, I think strike foreigners very often as being sort of quirky about the U.S. because, of course, um, you know, other countries have coins that are worth far more money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, enough about facts. Let's jump back into a little bit of fiction here, okay? Uh, okay, good deal. All right. 
So going back to our friends, the hobos. So we talked about these hobo symbols and uh, we talked about this alphabet. It, it sounds very purposeful. You know, there's real reasons why we had it. We also have a, a, a use case scenario, like why it would be used, where it would be used, the people using it, all this sort of thing. Uh, there's just one problem, Todd. What's that? Is it all bullshit? <laughs> Was it oh, all made man. up? So, uh, yeah, I know this, it, it breaks my heart too to even have to ask this question. Okay. So let's, let's start to unpack this. Okay. Okay. All right. So as early as the 1870s, if you recall, we talked about hobos kind of emerging on the scene right after the civil war. Mm -hmm. So in the 1870s, it was reported that hobos communicated with each other by a a way of a system of cryptic hobo signs, as we started to talk about. And then these reports started to appear in newspapers and popular books. And this lasted straight through the late 20s and into the 30s, into the Depression. And so this continues to turn up in popular culture even today, right? So a mm -hmm. couple of these books. So Henry Dreyfus, who was a very famous, well-known graphic designer, has a big book on symbols that he came out with in the, in the late 60s, early 70s time period. And he put the hobo alphabet in that book. So there's mm -hmm. actually design book. book. Yeah, that's a wonderful, wonderful book. And then John Hodgman, who we know uh, if no, for no other reason than the PC and the Mac and PC ads. He's also, right. of course, a fixture on... A, uh, you know, NPR, among other places. So he wrote a book a few years ago called The Areas of My Expertise, and it features a section on hobo signs listing um, signs found in newspapers of the day, of the era. And then he also decided that he would make up some of his own <laughs> hobo symbols as well and put those <laughs> in the book too. Hey, hey, why not, right? I guess you could. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah. And then there, of course, there are also displays. So Steamtown National Historic Site in Scranton, Pennsylvania, the National Cryptologic Museum in Annapolis Junction, Maryland. So they talk about this alphabet. So, so far this is sounding pretty good. In fact, I'll go one step further. So the Webster's Third New International Dictionary also supplies a listing of hobo signs under the entry for hobo. So like things are great, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Think about, mm -hmm. we have we have ample paper trail. We have 150 years of, of documentation. So apparently in spite of all this, we don't know if any of these symbols were actually used by real hobos. So it's it's a documented history of just documented history. Right, like right. It may not have existed, and that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> people just sort of fell in love with the notion, and, and kind of like our friend Bigfoot, it just kind of took on a life of its own and, and perpetuated itself. I think we should start it back. I think we should start a Bigfoot alphabet. Oh, that'd be yeah, that's even better. Great yeah. idea. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to I'm gonna read a few things, and then we can get hard to work on the back okay. of our beer coasters on our Bigfoot alphabet, okay? Okay. Okay. Some people think that the signs were invented early on by a writer or some handful of writers seeking to add to the hobo mythology, right? So, you know, we talked earlier about this lifestyle being romanticized. It was in pop culture. And then it was perpetuated and embellished by other writers over the years. They were adding color to their own stories, right? So several hobos during the days that these signs were reportedly most in use asserted that they were in fact, direct quotes here, a 
popular fancy or, quote, a fabrication. Um, <laughs> and so the newspapers in the early and peak days of hoboing, so again, late 19th century, early, you know, mid 20th century, they printed photos of hobos drawing and leaving these signs, right? Mm -hmm. So they have photo documentation of this. But the problem here is that there were known photos of the signs just by themselves that were found mm -hmm. later by property owners or cities right, right. that were painting things over, wondering about vandalism, where they would have served certainly a practical purpose. These bridge abutments, these fence posts, all of these places we mentioned earlier, rail yards, right? So this leaves open the possibility that all of these photos were staged simply to add color to the story. Like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm writing this thing, hobo. You want to help me out, right? We'll, we'll both right, win here. Right. Um, and then, nonetheless, it's believed that hobos did use and do use some graffiti, even today, to mm -hmm. communicate in the form of monikers, or as they mm -hmm. refer to them, monikas, kind of like a mm. your name of your former girlfriend or the uh, musical instrument shortened, like harmonica, monica, <laughs> right? harmonica, harmonica, yeah. um, harmonica. You know, whenever I would sneak out to take a bathroom break, I was always busted by the hall monica. <laughs> <laughs> Back in grade school. Anyway, hey -o. but that's an aside. Um, <laughs> yeah. So these these monikers were generally considered simply, uh, you know, it's like a road name or a date and the direction that yeah, the hobo yeah. was heading in, right? Like Todd was here, Elliot was here, and then an arrow yeah. saying, you know, headed due west. And that was so kind of like graffiti where other people would see it. And so this persists even to this day. So you got your cell phones now, and, and a, a moniker is, is, as a result of that, simply used as a tag. Like if you go to a rail yard even now, or if you're ever sitting at a train crossing, you see a, a freight train whipping by, a lot of times you see these graffiti tags on the trains. And that's kind of our contemporary or modern day hobo kind of uh, saying Elliot was here, right? And yeah, so when, yeah. when someone goes into a rail yard, you know, they'll be like, oh yeah, cool, Elliot was here, Todd was here, you know, and they, they rode in this train car or whatever. So just kind of a, a little bit of a, of a carryover into present day from this lifestyle that we know the lifestyle existed, but what we don't know is to what degree the alphabet associated with it or the symbols associated with it uh, actually existed in, in tandem with the people. So I will again leave it up to the listeners to decide. It's Todd, it's up to us to simply present information and then That's right. people can do with it as they may. It's fair and balanced, Elliot. And, you know, speaking of symbols, what's the symbol to get the bartender's attention? Because uh, we need some more drinks here. I think if you get out all those dollar bills you've been looking at, we will get new drinks. Toot sweet. All right. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, folks, this is ending our second season. And wow. we have enjoyed spending... So much time with you, so much fun with you. We are excited to be back uh, for season three very, very soon. We'll have some between season goodies. So please, please, please stay tuned. And we really appreciate the reviews, the subscriptions, and uh, 
we are not above uh, speaking gigs, and uh, we're also not above donations. So that's true. Yeah, yeah so, definitely not. Yeah, you know, certainly. You know, whether it be dollar bills, free drinks, or a combination right. of both of those things, we'll leave a we'll leave a good review on your mailbox post. Exactly. We will we will scrawl a thumbs up in that's the right. uh, in the conspicuous spot of your choice. Absolutely. So, Jim, we got a problem with our podcast. Right. Nobody says it correctly. No. Some people say how to fix it. Or how do you fix it? But think of it like this. Whatever the problem, we're in this together. How do we fix it? How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? Yeah. How do we fix it? The Solutions Show. From the political to the personal. Practical ideas for creative listeners. How do we fix it? How do we fix it? Ideas that work. That's your radio voice, Richard. Oh, well, I know. <laughs> I love it. I couldn't do it to save my life. Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com.